This is Issues 2020. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Wichita City Manager Robert Layton. Welcome to Issues 2020 again. Steve, thank you. It's great to be on the show. You know, uh, we're going to talk about the pandemic today and its ongoing impact on Wichita City government. But first, I'd like to ask uh, how the pandemic has impacted you personally, if I can ask for a personal note this morning. Well, it's interesting. Um, well, first of all, thanks for that question. I, I, From a health standpoint, I'm doing fine, and uh, I'm so fortunate that my family has stayed healthy through all of this. And uh, um, I... Um, I've been concerned about our organization. You know, we have essential workers who have just done phenomenal work from the start of the pandemic all the way through this period of time. And trying to keep them safe has probably been the thing that I've been most concerned about. Um, and so uh, that's been front of my mind uh, throughout the, all of this time. Yeah, many have reported dark feelings. I must admit I have. Even, even depression. Did you, did you have any emotional uh, reaction like that personally? You know, I think at times, I, I, it's not a matter of, of, of feeling, you know, going through a dark moment, so to speak, um, because of the nature of the work we do, we have to keep looking forward, and, and it, we're so preoccupied with what we need to do to keep service out there, and, and as I said, to do it in a safe way for our, our employees, as well as the people we serve. It's been actually, I think, if, any, if there's anything that I've felt has been just overwhelmed at times. Uh, but again, because of the wonderful staff we have, um, everybody's kind of pitched in together, and I, I get, a, you know, I feel this great sense of camaraderie with the people that uh, I've been working with uh, as a result of all this. And I, I kind of feel the same way with, with the job I'm doing. But every, it's like this thing is hanging over you, uh, like in the back of your mind. There, this terrible thing, <laughs> and it won't go away. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, you know, human beings are resilient. You just have to look at this as another challenge. And I know it's hard for folks, especially if you're confined to your home day in and day out. Uh, we reopened City Hall um, a few months after the pandemic uh, first started. And so I've I've been at work for a lot of that time. And so I, I do see a change in scenery a little bit. And I also don't have young children uh, that I have to uh, work uh, through their educational needs and their social needs. So I can understand why my situation is a little different than others. But I, I think those folks who are saying we're going to get through this, it's just a matter of looking forward and understanding that we will get back to you know, a new normal once there's a vaccine, but what can we do to adapt? What can we do to, to have that positive approach moving forward? I mean, because we've got economic challenges um, in this region. We have a lot, you know, we're still at like an eight and a half, nine percent unemployment rate, which is substantially down from the 18 percent that we had. But those families are struggling. And we, that's, I think it's that, that focus is what's kept me from maybe dwelling too much on the, the negative aspects of, of COVID. Yeah. Uh, are you wearing a mask in public, by the way? I, yes, I am. <laughs> I wear a mask everywhere. everywhere. Um, because, I mean, I, I believe in the science. And I, I, if, if you have a mask on, I have a mask on, we have a pretty good chance of not transmitting the virus. Why do you think some folks are so resistant to mask wearing? You know, the best I can figure it out, Steve, it's probably more an issue of personal uh, freedom and liberty. That's what I hear a lot of people talk about. It's that um, I don't even know that it's a denial of the science. I know that comes in with some people, um, but I think it's a matter of it's it's a significant change in the way that we live. Um, After a while, it wears on you. I think the best term I've heard is COVID 
fatigue, right? And so after you know, that comes to a point where you just say enough is enough, um, and uh, it, you know, it's kind of like a network, right? Um, you know, I'm just not going to take this anymore. And um, it's like I don't want to wear the mask. I just want to get back to a sense of normal. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we can't get there unless we follow those simple steps that they always talk about, including wearing a mask. Let's review the policies at City Hall in dealing with visitors. What, what, yes. What's the general policy? Tell me about that. Okay, so to get into any of our facilities, including City Hall, you need to have a mask on. And we will furnish masks uh, to those who um, to come in with who want to enter the building and don't have their own. And for those who um, still struggle, and we know a lot of people do financially, um, we have some um, cloth masks that we'll uh, give out to our customers so that they have something they can take away and reuse. Um, and then we've tried to keep most of our business on the, top, uh, the first three floors. Uh, municipal court takes the second and third floor. And then most of our walk-in business, now uh, we have a counter that serves uh, those that are dealing with housing issues, utility issues. Um, uh, actually, we have multiple counters that uh, they can um, get that business transacted down in the lobby and then be able to go on. And, and uh, it minimizes their exposure as well as staff exposure to the virus. You know, Sedgwick County Courts and the jail are having problems with backlogs of cases. They're not yeah. going to trial. Is that also a, a problem for municipal court, a municipal court there in City Hall, right? Yes, it is here. And we basically had the, we closed the courts for the first uh, few months of the pandemic and then have slowly reopened. And um, I believe that there is not a substantial backlog any longer. The the judges, uh, and specifically uh, Judge Jones, who is the um, chief ju- judge, and uh, the staff, I think, have done a wonderful job of uh, maintaining distancing and safety protocols in the courts and still being able to process, uh, to, to process the the uh, new cases as they come in. And I, like I said, I think we have done a good job of eliminating a lot of the backlog. Explain how, for those who don't know, explain how the weekly city council meeting is being done because it, it's not just in one place. So you're, you're, doing, you're doing what we call a remote broadcast. <laughs> exactly. And I, I hope we're getting close to doing it as well as you guys do. But um, we have... Uh, we have a limit on the number of people that um, are in the city council chambers, and that's trying to follow Dr. Min's order on um, uh, minimizing social gatherings. And then we allow for um, public comment from uh, Century 2. So if you want to participate in the council meeting, you can go to Century 2. We have appropriate distancing there and other protocols. And then um, we, uh, I think, uh, for when we have a you know a less controversial agenda, we have a couple of rooms we use over there. We use a, a large hall when we've got larger issues with more people. Anybody uh, in, in your group or close to you down there, employees have come down with this. Uh, it's well, just, we it, do just about have everybody. An, you know? Yeah, we do have a number of employees that have tested positive. You have to remember we have thirty one hundred employees overall, and. And so we have had some positives. Our bigger list are a number of um, employees that are out on quarantine because they had co- uh, close contact with a family member or someone else that, e- that tested positive. Um, what I am uh, proud to say is that there are very, very limited number of cases that you can attribute to the work environment. Almost all of the cases that we've had with our employees have come from fam- family gatherings and other events outside of our buildings. Mm. That's the case here, I think, as well. We've had a couple of cases here. 
Um, well, I think if you listen to the health department, that's what they're saying. That's probably the most common cause right, of uh, right. positives now. Now, there are other groups that meet regularly at City Hall. Am I right? I'm, uh, some advisory groups and so forth. And how right. are you handling those meetings uh, if you're having them? Almost all of those are still being done remotely. Okay. So you and then uh, and then we allow for we set up uh, similar types of operations for folks that want to participate in the meeting. Um, you know, the public. And I, I'm pretty comfortable with the fact that um, we have a good access for the public to engage in our meetings, uh, especially the planning commission, which, you know, has, um, once they started up again, um, haven't missed a beat and have had some, you know, important zoning items with a number of residents that wanted to participate and they were able to do it remotely. Yeah, those, you don't hear much about the planning uh, commission, but the people who are involved in real estate and all kinds of different things, that's pretty important panel for them. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And so, and they were urging us to find a way, a safe way to get the meeting started again. And I commend the staff for finding uh, that method uh, because they wanted to keep their projects moving. What has the pandemic done to uh, the city's budget? Well, that, that's a great question. Um, the, um, Right now, our estimate is still that over a three-year period, so this year uh, into 21 and, and, and into 22, that it's probably about a, a $50 million um, hit for us. In other words, a loss of revenues of about $50 million. And so we prepared uh, three-year budgeting for uh, a three-year budget for the council that reflected that. And so we trimmed services, we used our reserve funds, uh, in order to be able to to balance the budget, um, I will tell you though that we couldn't have asked for a better partner than Sedgwick County uh, when it comes to dealing with this financial hit. Uh, they have um, designated about twelve million dollars of their CARES Act funds uh, for the city and our use, and so that will help us uh, maybe reduce the total impact over that three-year period. And what? And again, what happens if uh, things <laughs> in a few months just everything gets back to normal? The business starts booming. You, you know, maybe you can put some things back in to the budget. What do you think? Yeah, very much so. In fact, because of uh, the county's help, there are probably a few things um, we had to cut uh, some services in the library. We had to cut services in parks and recreation. And um, I'm going to recommend to the council that we take a little bit of that money uh, that. Um, is uh, coming back, uh, that we're getting for COVID relief, that's going to free up other dollars in our budget that may allow us to restore some of those services. You know, but, as a, as a yeah. commu- community getting hit as hard as we have by the uh, the unemployment, I mean, our rate's above the state rate, I know. Um, yeah. So it's not a real good idea to say, well, we could probably balance the budget by raising taxes. <laughs> probably is not going to fly, is it? Steve, you couldn't find a worse time to raise taxes, <laughs> no right? Kidding. The financial burden on these on families. And I, you know, I don't think we spend enough time thinking through that. Um, you know, folks who are talking about going to the food bank in order to be able to make uh, their, uh, to meet their food needs, you know, uh, mm-hmm. on a monthly basis. And, um, you know, unemployment benefits run out for some people. Um, uh, so we've, We've been talking a lot about how can we help those um, those residents and some of our neediest residents. Luckily, we've been able to address some of their concerns be through some uh, federal money that we've received uh, for COVID relief uh, in our housing department. And so, some of our the social service needs in the community are going to be addressed. We're specifically all, we're also partnering with the county on their, um, or excuse me, with the state on their. Um, uh, 
anti-eviction program so oh, that yeah. we can pay landlords for um, delinquent uh, rents to keep people in safe housing. You're listening to Issues 2020 on the Intercom radio stations. Our guest is Wichita City Manager Robert Layton. Even with COVID-19, the business of city government goes on. Let's talk about the projects for a moment. What's What's the latest on the new water treatment plant in northwest Wichita? Well, Steve, just, just this past week, um, we did the groundbreaking for that project, and it's it's moving forward. In fact, it's projected that that project may get completed a little uh, sooner than originally anticipated. It, it, we're going to have four solid years of construction, though, in order, in order to get a project of this magnitude completed. Um, it, it's... It's amazing um, how our, we've been able to partner um, both with the Environmental Protection Agency at the federal level as well as the uh, KDHE at the state level to get some favorable funding to reduce the burden on our ratepayers. Uh, but we're really excited about that project, uh, that it's now you know, fully designed and uh, under construction. What's the total price tag on that? It's uh, over a half a billion dollars. Oh, I, I was going to say $50 million. Oh, I would have been way under yeah, wow, that's, right. that's substantially a, a lot of money. It's yeah. the largest capital project um, that we've had in the history of the city of Wichita, and in fact, the we received um, a um, uh, what's called a WIFIA loan from the Environmental Protection Agency, and they their representative said this is the largest um, drinking water project that they have funded. Um, from this program, as as we're recording this program, it's under consideration to raise the uh, water and sewer rates uh, for Wichita's, and is that part of uh, part of all this to to pay for that? Yeah, uh, there are a number of reasons why we're uh, uh, proposing the rates that we are, but it is primarily to be able to take care of the construction of the new water plant. Um, we also are under. Um, uh, order from the uh, federal government to make improvements to our sewage treatment plant, and that's coming down the line. Actually, we'll start that process. We've already started that process, and and we'll get uh, deeper into it in 2021. But there's also uh, what people forget is the underground need that we have, and we did a pretty significant assessment of the condition of our water lines and sewer lines several years ago, and determined that uh, if we didn't uh, address some emerging maintenance concerns or, or issues that we were going to have uh, uh, a more significant number of breaks and other uh, failures in the system. And so we've uh, really put a lot of money underground over the last uh, four or five years, and we'll continue to do that. And that's where most of our uh, rates, uh, water rates go. Uh, it's only, I think, about 30% of our total costs go for operations, 70% for capital. Well, you know, you talk about water, and I'm sure the people listening right now, it's water. Come on, guys. You take it for granted. It comes out of a pipe. It's good. <laughs> why, do we, why are we even concerned about water? Well, you know, it's interesting because it's easy for us to say that today, but just think back when we were going through the, you know, multi-year drought and how everything we talked about was water and will there be enough? What can we do to shore up our water supply? And I'm really proud of the the way the city has responded uh, and put together a long-range plan that will assure water during the, the good times as well as the tough times, the, dr- the drought conditions. And um, but it, it does come at a price, and I recognize that. And the council has asked us to continue to do long-range planning so that we can minimize the, the increases over time. Well, we've had a nice little taste of winter weather. Tell us about preparation for street treatment this winter. Have you got enough salt? Is you got enough trucks? Tell us about that. 
Yeah, it's your. Uh, I think your staff is probably, or your uh, listeners are probably weary of hearing about our public works efforts on, on snow and ice because we seems like we talk about that all the time during the season. Uh, but we've um, uh, we try to listen to our customers, um, especially in when it comes to um, uh, snow and ice removal because we know how disruptive that can be and. And uh, not just for work travel, but really just in terms of any kind of travel and keeping people safe. Um, and we, you know, we, we're in that ice belt, right? So it's not just the snowstorms, but even worse are, is the freezing rain uh, that we get here. And um, so what we'll do is we'll pre-treat. We, we have plenty of um, salt, and we, are, we do joint purchases of salt and sto- salt storage with some other communities. And... Um, so that's not an issue, but it's we try to pre-treat so that um, in uh, when the storm first hits, we, there's going to be enough melt, and then it's a matter of just staying on the the primary routes and, and secondary routes as much as we can uh, to to keep from accumulating. Um, but it's um, it, it's a never-ending battle. Let's talk about uh, the uh, river corridor um, development going on the river corridor. How's that coming along? Well, if at all. <laughs> yeah, it depends. Yeah. So, you know, you have to kind of break it down into pieces. Um, if you look at the Delano portion of the river corridor, it's uh, moving um, forward in a substantial manner. We've got um, we've got um, a hotel going up on the uh, West Bank. We've got uh, new apartments. Um, Hutton Construction is building their new headquarters. We've got, the, of course, the baseball stadium over there. Uh, I think next year we'll get an announcement regarding development around the baseball station stadium, the first phase. So I'd say that there's uh, been pretty robust growth um, occurring on the West Bank. On the East Bank, um, we've put on hold the consideration of any type of master plan adoption for that East Bank. Um, while we're the community works to to address the COVID uh, 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 challenge. This is not the right time to be talking about um, how that area should be master planned, how it should be developed over time, what the cost should be, what the public improvements would be. I just, I just don't think the community is ready for that discussion right now. No, we no. Turn the, when we turn the corner, I think it, then we do need to talk about long-range plans. You, you're actually you're talking about uh, the fate of century, too, are you not? As part, as part of that, anyway. Well, we yes and no. Well, we're, what we're talking about is contracting for uh, the operation and maintenance of the facility. And that, I, that is simply to improve our business operations and try to uh, come into some ki- type of cost containment while we're going through the process on the long-range plan. We still have a business need to operate Century 2 as effectively as possible. And I think there's an expectation that we minimize the public dollars that are used to subsidize that operation as much as possible. And this is where I think it would be helpful to bring in private expertise to help us. And so we'll be soliciting proposals for um, uh, that uh, private assistance in the operation and maintenance. But that's to keep the facility sound and moving through uh, the COVID period, but more importantly, as we come out of this and get into recovery, that has nothing to do with the long-term future of the building. We've talked a little bit about the, the Delano District, and I've been down there number of times since this all this pandemic hit but what about east douglas anything going on on east douglas as far as development well there's uh, uh we've got some developers that are in the middle or finishing up projects on east douglas i don't know that there uh, i think there are some projects on hold 
uh, because of the current COVID uh, issues, some uncertainty about the future of offices, what are they going to look like? Um, and so I think there's a reluctance to go ahead and you know um, actively market office space until this all settles down. Uh, so it's probably a little quieter than it would be under normal circumstances, but there's still construction and development going on. You know, I came through uh, one of the worst intersections, I think, in, in, in the United States of America. They, we call it the North Junction, of 230, <laughs> 235 yeah. and 130. I don't know if you've ever been up there, but I know, oh, yeah. the, I know the state's involved in, in trying to redo that. I don't know who thought that up, but they were on drugs or something because that's, that's ridiculous. But anyway, uh, does the city have any involvement in that redevelopment of that area? Uh, yes, we're one of the uh, chief partners in all of that, and it's uh, Sedgwick County uh, and Kansas Department of Transportation uh, that are the uh, project sponsors. And um, I'm glad you brought it up because we received uh, a $21 million grant uh, from the federal government in order to help us move forward with that project uh, and to get the next phase of construction started and uh, that's that took a lot of work. Our every member of our congressional delegation, um, uh, both senators and congressmen, asked us, uh, uh, lobbied on our behalf, um, provided inf- additional information uh, to the appropriate agencies so that we would be eligible and uh, uh, for funding and that our project would look to be, be looked upon favorably. Uh, so we appreciate all everything that was done in that regard. And uh, just so you know, Kansas Department of Transportation has identified that interchange as its number one transportation priority for <laughs> yeah. the state. So that that backs up what you're saying regarding the, the dangers and uh, the congestion that we have at that I location. Find the names of the guys who designed that one and the one out on, on West Kellogg and 235. Uh, we, we have somebody to blame or hang an effigy or something. But, yeah, hey. I, I think we're good. I think we've kept those names anonymous <laughs> for a good, reason. Good idea. Okay, the new baseball stadium, it's sitting there. If you want me to Organize a slow pitch softball league. We could get something going down there, but gosh, that's... yeah. But then you, we have to get a liability. Oh, that's true. that's true. Yeah, because you know, I, I'd just be afraid to see you would do anything athletic now well, at your advanced age. It could be pretty ugly. But uh, seriously, I am. Uh, my wife and I were looking forward to seeing some ball games. Then our grandkids get seeing ball games, and that's been uh, tough to take. Not being able to go to the new ballpark. Oh, I, Steve, you're exactly right. I mean, I had I bought my tickets, and I was ready for a, a fantastic season. Um, we've got a great ownership group, and we're really excited about when the doors will open. You know, I'm, I um, again, I don't have any uh, inside information for minor league baseball, but I, I'm sensing that they they will have a season in 2021. What it looks like, we, we we won't know until we get you know later into the year. But the um, I think the public will just be um, so excited when they get into that stadium, and, and it, because it's got all the amenities, and um, unfortunately, not everybody will be able to see the behind-the-scenes um, spaces. But it's state-of-the-art throughout the building, and we've got an air, there's an area for the visiting and home team where there's uh, batting cages in, uh, indoor as well as a pitching mound uh, or multiple pitching mounds, and they tell me that that space is as good as many major league teams have in their stadiums. So right. yeah, well, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Okay. We're out of time as you know, all right. we, these are all, these times always go quick because <laughs> yeah. they do. Well, thank you for uh, spending some time with us. As always, we really appreciate it. And uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Things are going to turn up one of these days soon for the entire city and, and our nation. Our guest, Wichita city manager, 
Robert Layton. And that's all for this edition of Issues 2020. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.